Welcome to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. In this episode, we're breaking down one of the three digital marketing pillars, social media. It's episode 30, and it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, visit araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. Well, Chris, of course, this is a happy hour, and what happy hour would not be complete without a few beverages? So what do you have in front of you? You know, we're in the fall season, and I've had a theme going the last few weeks, and I decided I'm just going to go ahead and continue it this week. So I'm drinking a cider again, and this time it is a Strongbow Gold Apple Cider. What about you, Ryan? Well, Chris, you know I love the seasonal beers, too. The Oktoberfest I've been drinking a lot of. Uh, really enjoyed it during the, the fall. But during this happy hour, I'm kind of going back and having red wine. So I have poured myself a tall glass of a, a Cabernet, which is a Franciscan. Nothing super fancy or anything like that, but it is a red wine that I do enjoy. So that is what I have in front of me. So let's get started. Very nice. Well, we have our beverages in hand. So as Ryan said, let's get started. He's Ryan Smith. I'm Chris Casale. Thank you for joining us this week on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. If you're new to the podcast, then we welcome you. And if you're a repeat listener, thank you so much for coming back. If you continue to find value in this podcast, we're asking you to please kindly leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. So in this episode, this is the second part of a three-episode series where we're breaking down the three digital marketing pillars. In episode 29, we talked about all things search. In this episode, we're going to talk about all things that are social media related. Social media has been a very important pillar of digital marketing for a long time, but heading into 2021, it's shaping up to be more important than ever. And I came across this quote by our old friend Neil Schaefer, who was a guest on this podcast just a few episodes ago, and I thought it was very fitting, Ryan, for the stuff that we're going to talk about tonight. So I want to go ahead and read that quote. It was on Smart Insights in an article about social media trends for the coming year. In it, Neil says... The new normal requires every company to put extreme importance on all things digital marketing. While search and email are two major components of digital marketing that can be done in-house, social media is both the most popular activity people do online, as well as the most challenging for businesses. And this is because companies still look at social media as a promotional and advertising channel, rather than as a grand arena to collaborate with social media users, primarily customers and influencers, and work them through a relationship funnel to incite word-of-mouth marketing for your brand in social media. The social media algorithms will always favor people. It's time to wake up to this fact and be the first in your industry to craft a radically different people-first social media strategy that's driven by the voice of your employees, customers, and influencers. Influencer marketing often has a negative connotation associated with it, but as he wrote in his book, The Age of Influence, influencer marketing is about embracing the nano-influencers and above who already have brand affinity for you 
and finding ways to collaborate and include people who love your company is an essential component of your digital marketing. And I wanted to start this episode with that quote because I think it's so important. There are lots of ways that you can leverage social media for your business, but we're primarily going to focus on the organic and the influencer-based marketing in our discussion in this episode. You know, I love that quote from Neil. Neil's a, a friend of the show. If you want to hear more about Neil, go back to episode 15, The Age of Influence with Neil Schaefer. When Neil talks about companies that use social media as a promotional advertising channel, that's something that it by default, a lot of companies do. And that's a turnoff for, for people. And I think, you know, going back, we have to put the social back in social media. If you're going to post, and it doesn't matter where you're posting. If you're posting a video on YouTube, if you're posting a video on TikTok, if you're tweeting, putting on Facebook, you can't just be self-promotional of your product. People are so over seeing that. And the one powerful thing that social media gave consumers is the ability to take control. And what I mean by that is when it was the old days of just TV, the advertiser controlled it, right? They controlled the narrative. They controlled everything. And consumers only had a say if they bought the product or not. Now with social media, there's so much more in between Meaning from the time you hear about a product to the time you buy a product, you can talk about a product, you can buy a product and then post your reviews about it publicly so everybody can see not just Amazon and maybe giving it a five stars, but you can also go on Twitter or on Facebook and Instagram. You can do a Facebook live and talk about certain products. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, children opening up gifts on YouTube that have gone viral and they're making tons of money because people want to see this. So and I believe the child's name is Ryan, actually, uh, uh, YouTube. That's very famous now on this. So social media has absolutely gotten its legs underneath it and has grown. So it's not the medium that is bad, which is Twitter or Facebook, whatever. It's how you use it. So companies that really invest in their actually employees that you know are representatives of the brand themselves and talk, I think have much more success than just the company who just promotes from their, you know, at company name handle, you know, buy our shoes, buy our products, so forth. They're not quite as, you know, get as far, unless you're maybe an Apple or something like that. But even still, Apple does it way better than, than most companies, you know, could ever dream of promoting on social media. So I think as we continue to evolve in the companies that stay sort of on that evolution of how to make their employees centric, how to talk about, you know, helping others and less about how great their product is for them, I think are the ones who are going to have a distinct advantage and that's never going to change. And think about it from the perspective of how you yourself use social media. Do you log into these networks to look at advertisements? No, none of us do that. We're looking for something compelling. We're looking for interesting stories. We're looking for a bit of inspiration. We're looking for a bit of information. And the brands that are doing that well are the ones that are winning over people. And there's lots of social networks out there. So the first question we usually get is, well, which network should I be on? And I would flip that question and say, where is your audience? Ryan and I have talked about this excessively on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. You have to know your audience. You have to understand where it is they live, work, and play. And that includes social networks. So the first thing you need to do is determine who your audience is and what networks they're actively using. 
I think the best way for us to do that, Ryan, is let's just go through the big networks and talk about the types of individuals that are there. So starting with the big one, what do we need to know about Facebook? Yeah, so Facebook is still great. I mean, there's still, you know, billions of people that are on it all over the world. However, you have to know where your audience is. It's, it's, it's so funny. It made a comment to uh, I recently had a, a nephew who just turned 16 years old and talking to him made a comment about posting on Facebook. And, and his first thing was Facebook. Oh, I haven't checked my Facebook account, you know, in forever. But what's interesting about this was it was also kind of an eye opening. Oh, right. That's right. You know, not everybody is. Now, I will say this, the older your audience is, meaning, you know, from the baby boomers who now are in their 70s and so forth, they are more prone to be on Facebook than the the youngest generation that we can advertise to is. So you, you definitely have to understand that. But, you know, when we talk about Facebook and you talk about video, well, when you also think about video, you think of YouTube. These are prime places for businesses to serve up ads, you know, especially if these audiences earn a little bit higher income. So that is one area where, you know, depending on what you're servicing and, and who you're trying to target, that's where you need to go. And the reason why I said video, because up to 80% now of people are consuming video content when they go online, whether it is Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, video is where it's at. So understanding the demographics of your audience. And as Chris said, you have to know before you begin anything, you can't just do a pray and spray approach. You have to understand what platforms they're at. And you have to understand even on the platform like a Facebook. Well, there's different, a lot of things you can do on Facebook. You can do video. You can just put an image on Facebook. You can just do text. You have to also understand what do they respond to the most. And that's what kind of content you need to put on these different platforms. So some of the data that Ryan and I have in front of us is from Pew Research, as well as some data published from Sprout Social. But as Ryan mentioned, the age demographic for Facebook tends to skew a little bit older, uh, roughly 30 to 49 or 50 to 64. Those tend to be the largest pockets of individuals that are on the Facebook platform. Doesn't mean that there isn't some in the younger audience. But as Ryan mentioned, percentage-wise, 13 to 17, it's only got about 51% adoption. So what we're seeing is this next uh, generation of individuals, Gen Z, is not using Facebook as their primary platform the way some of us are. From a gender perspective, Facebook tends to skew slightly more female than male. And obviously, the study data that we have here doesn't include any non-binary information. And then location-wise, it's actually interesting because when you look at location, income, and education, it's actually pretty equally split. Pretty equal number of people from urban areas compared to suburban areas and then rural areas. The income spectrum, it's running, you know, roughly uh, roughly equal. Those making less than 30,000 to those making between 30,000 and 75,000 and then those making over 75,000. And then the education, high school or less, some college or college plus, all pretty equal here. So actually have a very wide birth of individuals that are using the Facebook platform. You know, and the other part too, and, and just staying on the, the Facebook conversation here, you know, roughly three quarters of Facebook users visit the site on a daily basis. And that's huge. And I think it's really important when we talk about where we're posting on social media, when we're talking about posting, we're talking about organic right now, the organic reach, not, not great. 
it's maybe 5% of the people who follow you. If you really have high engagement, you might be able to get up to 10% of your total follower counts. So if you're new to this space, you're just getting started. It has been this way for a, a few years and it really all changed when Facebook became a publicly traded company. Guess what? They're publicly traded. All eyes are on them now, right? A little more transparency. So they got to make money and they have to show how they can make money. So how does that happen on a social media network? Just like all of them, it's through advertising. Now I will say this, Facebook really transformed their whole ad platform and it became a lot more, you know, uh, metrics that they included. So you can see a lot of, of information. Now, over the last couple of years, they've also been exposed where maybe they've been inflating their advertising numbers. So that's definitely something that you need to look at if you're advertising on Facebook. And, and I will say this, um, unless you're at an enterprise level B2B Fortune 200, maybe that's not where your audience is. It could be, you know, it could be, but maybe that's not where you're starting at. For everybody else, Facebook is a really, really good platform to be on, but you got to have a better understanding of who your audience is, where they're going, what other things that they like, because with Facebook, you can target other pages. You can target competitors. Potentially, I should say that not every Facebook page is available to you to target, but you do need to know what their interests are and what all the things that they do like. So going through all of this, that's why we're kind of harping on Facebook because so many people are a part of it. Your reach isn't that high. However, with Facebook and advertising, it's important that you understand the audience and you go after them. So there's a couple of things you can do that way. And so we'll kind of segue a little bit more into Facebook advertising from the social media standpoint. In 2018, I believe, Facebook kind of switched and changed where in the algorithm, the organic posts that your friends and family are going to see the most, right? So if you're a brand and you're posting, it's the friends that are, you're connected to are going to see it. So that's huge to understand that. So that was a little bit of a change. And the reason why Facebook says we want to create an environment, obviously, that, that's user-friendly, but that's highly engaged. And if you know business, you know that the more that a user is engaged on a social media platform like Facebook, the greater chance you are are to click on an ad. And when you click on that ad, that's when Facebook is going to get paid for the most part. So Facebook is going to do everything they can to promote posts. And when I say post could be a video, whatever it is, that's going to create engagement. Now, in 2018 change, it also changed the ad game. Previously, it was really easy to create an ad and target people and send them to your website to a landing page where you have a lead magnet, right? It could be a guide, a worksheet. They give you email address. Once they submit that information, you as the brand could send them your lead magnet, whatever that may be. So that was a huge thing. Well, after 2018, things changed a little bit. While you can still do it, your conversion rate for some people, not everybody, but for some people, it might not have been as great. The way you get around that now with Facebook and advertising is you start by creating an engagement ad. So you start an ad and you want to get a lot of likes. You want to get a lot of comments. If it's a video, an engagement on Facebook video is the three seconds they viewed your video. Now you start building that up. So while you're building that up, Facebook says, okay, this account basically is getting a lot of engagement. Now, the next one you want to send is an ad that goes to your lead magnet. Once you go to your lead magnet, you can collect that email address. So you have that in your file. 
but also now you're sending them information of value. If they're going to give you your email address, you're giving them something of value. Again, the value could be a guide, a cheat sheet, uh, a checklist, whatever that may be. So those are the couple of things with Facebook that have changed over the years that you have to be engagement first above anything else. And that includes even when you're advertising. So when we're looking at the data and we see that roughly three quarters of Facebook users visit that site on a daily basis, that's huge. But they're not the only one that is engaged. Instagram also gets high engagement. So as I'm sure you know, Facebook owns Instagram. So if you want to run Instagram ads, you have to do it in Facebook. The logic is still the same. You want to create ads that also create engagement with your audience. And then, of course, then you want to send another ad to those people who engage and send them to your website. So that way you can get the contact information. No different really than any of these other platforms we're going to talk about. The big thing is how do you get engagement? An engagement, whether it's an organic post or it's an ad, it's not buy my product, buy, 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 even to a cold audience that rarely works. You want to present yourself as something that is engaging, that is educational, that is informative, because if it's a cold audience, for the most part, we're going to talk about an audience that is at the top of the funnel. And at that point, they're just becoming aware of you. And even still, when they're becoming aware of you, they don't care about you, the brands. They care about, do you have a solution to my problem? So when we talked about content in very previous episodes that we have had, that's what we are referring to. But with all social media, it's important to understand your audience. It's important to get your audience to engage, be less salesy. And then when you're serving up ads, once they're engaged with your ad, now you can get leads by sending them to a lead magnet. So Chris, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about in the past, even just on this social media, it's still relevant. Yeah, those are all key points. And we talk about some of the demographic data that is available on Facebook. And so that might influence your decision. But like any of the digital platforms that are out there, we would encourage you to take a look at the analytics. And Facebook has some really strong analytics in Facebook Insights for all of their business pages that when you're sharing content, whether that be videos, whether that be posts, whether that be links, whatever form that's con that content is in, you'll get a snapshot of how much engagement you're getting on those posts and the breakdown of the demographics of the individuals that are choosing to engage with it. So then you get a chance to see, is this your audience? Is it relevant? Is it worth your time? And like everything that Ryan and I talk about on the podcast, you always want to be measuring it. Whether you choose to start with Facebook or you choose to start with another platform, if you're measuring the analytics, you can see the impact that it's having. And for the stuff that's not working, you can pivot and potentially choose a different platform or revise your content strategy. But either way, it gives you business intelligence to help you make decisions decisions. So Ryan, so we talked about Facebook in great detail, but let's talk about, as you mentioned, the site that they own, Instagram. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, and Instagram is great and it's been great. I know it's for some laggards, they're jumping on it now. And I, I don't think it's too late to be on an Instagram by any means. Like all social media, it, it skews a little bit more female than it does male. Now, the, some of the big differences with, with Instagram, the younger you are, in your population, the more people that are actually on Instagram, when it comes to, you know, where they're located, if you're looking for, you know, suburban moms, Instagram is fantastic uh, for them. But as a whole, you know, nearly half the population lives in an urban center. 
which if that's your target audience, that's fantastic. Uh, a little over a third is suburban and uh, nearly 20% is rural with that. So these are things you definitely need to understand if you're going to post content on there and that's where your audience lives. One of the great things about Instagram is the ability that, especially if you're a solopreneur, entrepreneur, if you're in this space, you're, you should be already using Instagram, especially Instagram stories. That's something where we have really seen take off. Now, you know, Instagram was in Facebook was not the inventor of Instagram stories. And that's okay. You know, I mean, that's like saying, you know, we talked about the iPod and Apple, you know, Apple was not the inventor of the, uh, the MP3 player. They just took it and they made it better. And I think we're seeing that with Instagram. They didn't invent the stories, but they have a lot that they can work with. You can put stuff on stories, you can create stickers, and there's so many you know things that you can integrate with it uh, once you get in Instagram and you get a lot of views. Hashtags are still big, no matter where you're at on uh, social media, whether it's within a post, whether it's in a story of sorts, you can attract a larger audience through that. So that's important. And But then when we get back and we kind of peel the onion a little bit of who is actually on Income levels is big. And if you're in marketing and you're trying to promote a product or service, you need to better understand who your audience is and what their household income level is. Because that's big, depending on what your product, if you have a high ticket product, you probably don't want to target people that make less than $30,000 a year. It's not there's anything wrong with those people. It's just they're not the right fit for your product or service. When we look at Instagram, the, you know, people, the household income of, you know, people who make over 75,000, you know, is 42% of the people. And that's per user. I'm sorry, I said household. That's per user is uh, 42% of the people on Instagram. So that skews higher than the national average on there. So 42% of the people make more money than the national average. Depending on your product or service, that's good to know. From an education standpoint, how about this? It kind of falls along the same lines. People who have a college degree or higher, meaning a graduate degree and so forth, is about 43% that are on Instagram. So again, college educated, higher income earners, you're going to find that also on Instagram. However, people who make household income levels, you know, average throughout the United States, 39% of them are on Instagram, you know, and that's some college and also people who just have a high school degree. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's so popular. Besides the fact it, it's visual and it's video, which, you know, human behavior, we all gravitate to a little bit more. So Instagram has done a lot over the last 10 years. And it's hard to believe that Instagram has been out for 10 years now, but it has evolved and has changed with the times. And it's becoming very much more of a video platform. Now, if you go through your feed, you're probably still going to see a lot of pictures on there. But what you, if you pay attention to everything that's on there, including ads, and you look at the stories, you're going to see a lot more video. And of course, you know, you have Reels, Instagram Reels that is on there, IGTV that is available. Again, those are all video platforms that people are taking advantage of. And this is a way to increase your reach. So if you're trying to get people to learn of you, your product, your service, create video on these platforms. Facebook is great. 
Instagram is even better. And we'll get into a little bit more TikTok down the road, which is probably, I would say, is quickly becoming the king of video and definitely of growing audience. So, so Chris, we have Facebook, we have Instagram. These are great platforms that people need to be on. People need to put educational content on there, including video content. And they need to reach out not in a way that is promotional, but it's a way that informs and adds value. Yeah, as you mentioned, Instagram is actually one of the larger social networks when it comes to use by influencers. And uh, there's a lot of opportunity with a network like Instagram. Now, as you mentioned, the organic reach is a little bit lower. That's why TikTok has gained in a lot of popularity lately, a lot more reach with a platform like that, but still a ton of opportunity here. And I I wanted to add to the demographics that you were talking about because we're very fortunate. We have a very large international audience with Digital Marketing Happy Hour. So the number one country for Instagram use is actually United States, followed by India. And that's reversed if you look at Facebook. India actually has much larger use and adoption of Facebook than the United States does. But those countries are one and two in reverse order for these. And then following that list, the rest of them sort of follow suit with Brazil, Indonesia, United Kingdom, Russia, Turkey, Japan, Mexico, a bunch of others in the European bloc. Uh, And then we get into some South American countries and over in the Middle East in terms of Egypt and places like that, Saudi Arabia as well. So I thought that was worth mentioning because I know we have a a fairly large international following. And so some of that information might be useful to you as you're making some of your decisions. I'm glad you kind of pointed that out. So we do have a great international audience and we're so thankful that all of you around the world who do listen to us, and we know Facebook is maybe not always the number one platform that you listen to. A couple of places, and I had a great chance five years ago, Chris, I had a chance to go to Saudi Arabia and I got a chance to present to a multinational corporation there. And doing my research and understanding the culture there, Chris, I found out that, you know what, Facebook? No, that's not the platform. That's not the medium that they listen to and they go on. YouTube was actually, you know, by far was was number one, which is great because I learned this as I'm getting ready to present. So you have to change, you know, when you're presenting, you want to put facts and figures and examples when you're presenting to an audience. So I had to kind of sort of change things because I'm like, wait a minute, this is a whole different area. It's not quite the same as in America. And I think when you're doing your product or service, even if it's within your small town, or it could be a big town, but if it's in your sort of bubble that may be only 50 miles wide, or maybe it's only three miles wide of people that are coming in and out of your facility, I think it's important to understand your audience. And anytime that you create a strategy, if you're hiring somebody and you want them to run social media, and let's just say... You're somebody who knows your business, you run business, you don't quite know social media, and you're hiring somebody. It's important to hire somebody who understands research as well. You need to go into your data. Don't just, you know, as we said it before, pray and spray on Facebook when maybe your audience isn't there. So do the research, go to Google Analytics. Maybe you're on Twitter, maybe you're on Instagram, maybe you're on TikTok, maybe you're on Facebook. Go into their insights, their analytics, and look and see what's working, what's not. And if you have a platform that is just, you're getting no reach, no visibility, and more importantly, you're getting no engagement, maybe you should pull back and put your efforts onto the platforms where you're seeing engagement. 
So, Ryan, we talked about Facebook and we talked about Instagram, but another big important social network, at least in my opinion, is LinkedIn. A lot of great information available on LinkedIn. It's largely a network for working professionals. Skews a little bit more male than female, but the numbers are pretty evenly split. And the audience, the age demographic, is roughly about 37% in the 30 to 49 bracket, 28% in the 18 to 29 bracket. 24% in the 50 to 64 bracket, and then 11% in that 65 and up. As you can imagine, those with college plus make up 51% of the audience. Uh, A little bit less for some college, that's sitting at about 26%, and then high school degree or less is is significantly less at 10%. And then it also scales based on income, where the largest block is those earning $75,000 a year or more, then 30 to 75,000 and then less than 30,000. Also a lot more popular in the urban and suburban areas compared to rural for, I think, some obvious reasons there in terms of the need to network professionally, which is a huge benefit that the LinkedIn network provides. A lot of opportunity in this space. And if you're interested in learning a lot more about this, I would go back a few episodes ago to check out the when we hosted Nat Bibby on the show. He's a LinkedIn expert and talks about this extensively. We'd highly recommend that. Nat Bibby was great all about LinkedIn strategies. He is an expert, especially if for our you know listeners who are in Australia and Southeast Asia, probably already familiar with Nat Bibby. If you're not, go check him out. The other person who I thought was great was Bryn Tillman. She really did a great episode on how to maximize your LinkedIn social selling. And I thought it's great because in LinkedIn, when you're on there, you're trying to get leads and get sales. The people though, the difference is the ones who it works and the ones who don't are the ones who lead with education, who are trying to add value for free, not just to get a sale at the same time. So when you connect with somebody on LinkedIn and they immediately, as they say, you know, pitch slap you. That is never the way it works. It will never, ever, ever, maybe 1% of the time it's going to be effective. What you do is you add value. What can you do to better your connections lives? What can you do to add education, teach them something that is going to better perform on their jobs or learn about you at the same time? Because LinkedIn is a fantastic platform to build your brand, your expertise, the authority in your space. And in the end, they're going to trust you, right? That's what LinkedIn is great for. So when you're on LinkedIn, you have a very highly educated group for the most part, that's on there. A lot of it's B2B, but it doesn't have to be B2B. You can't have B2C. So when you're on LinkedIn, think about what value can I bring? And if you haven't heard this common theme throughout the entire podcast episode, which is understand your audience, add value. That I can sum it up right now. And social media is nothing more than a platform. So you have to add the social part of social media. And how do you do that? Engage, ask questions, respond to other people. Don't just be promotive of your brands, of your products that you sell. If you come across as buy me and I'm great, aren't I fantastic? People are, are not going to engage with you. And a matter of fact, they're, they're either going to unfollow you, they're not going to like any of your stuff, and you lost a big audience. So LinkedIn is fantastic for sending out informative articles so that you can build your brand awareness. Now, I'm not saying that as a brand. I'm saying that if you're an employee of the brand, be yourself, educate people about what you know. And the biggest thing 
thing that prevents people from doing that is what they call imposter syndrome. Because you might think, hey, I'm just out of college. I've maybe been doing this a year. I've only been doing this for two years. Why would anybody listen to what I have to say? And I would say you're wrong. A lot of people need to hear, even if you have minimal experience. Now, if you have double digit experience of years, yes, you you should know this and you should put this out there. But for those who feel, why would anybody listen to me? And there's a million people like me. And that might be true. There could be a million people like you that have the same exact experience, but there's only one you. And when it's you on social media, being yourself, you're going to be a magnet to people who are similar to you, who enjoy that expression that you give on social media. And they're going to buy into what you're, and I don't even want to say what you're selling because you shouldn't be selling about your knowledge. So LinkedIn is a great platform as all of these, you should be doing on all these platforms, but stay true to yourself. Don't give into fear and just get out there. So LinkedIn is fantastic. It is become my favorite platform, especially from a social media standpoint, especially for business. Those are all obvious, but it is great. And you really do get a lot of engagement from that. So that is definitely my two cents, Chris, on LinkedIn. I want to mention another social network that's often overlooked, but there's a lot of value in depending upon the type of audience you're looking for, and that's Pinterest. Ryan, Pinterest tends to skew very, very heavily female. It also targets that 30 to 49 bracket in some ways better than some of the other social networks. I know individuals that will spend hours curating their Pinterest boards. There is a lot of opportunity for brands and businesses that are looking for a primarily female audience to make an impression on Pinterest. You know, it's great that you bring that up, Chris, because Pinterest has really sort of like all social medias, they've evolved their algorithm and organic reach does also very well on Pinterest. You know, Pinterest was more popular than Instagram was. They both are image based, right? That's how they became famous. What's interesting about Pinterest is Pinterest really just stayed very highly female and that has just grown over the years. And this is something that Pinterest has known about. And what they've done is they've evolved and they have taken their female audience and they have grown that female audience. You know, they dug in, they said, Hey, this is who we are. And they have done a phenomenal job. And in the last year or so, give or take, they have upgraded their algorithm images that are getting engagement truly expand their reach and you're getting reach now from images could be you know maybe a year ago two years ago that you put up there very organically and what's also that pinterest has done recently is and i i think i told this on a previous episode i had a stock image that i overlaid with some text i uploaded it to my pinterest board that's all about inbound marketing that i had and when i did it i noticed Pinterest found the same stock image that other people use. Now they overlaid it with different text, but it was the same stock image. And I could see that. And really a light bulb went off. I'm like, 
this Pinterest algorithm is really smart and is much better than it was maybe a year ago, definitely better than it was maybe three years ago. So if you've abandoned that, come back to it. And if you have an image, put your images up there, even if it's a stock image, get a profile going, get some images up there and link them back to your website. Now, if you use a stock image or some sort of image in a blog post, for example, put that same image from your blog post on your Pinterest board and then link it back to that article because you're going to organically attract some traffic to it. So Pinterest is, I think, now overlooked. If you think, oh, young females is not my audience for whatever reason that might be, you might overlook it. I would say, yeah, don't overlook Pinterest. I think it is completely undervalued. And if we had a buy-sell segment here, Chris, I would say buy on Pinterest. Yeah, I agree with that completely. A lot of opportunity with Pinterest. So there's a bunch of other social networks that we could talk about, but the truth is we're not going to spend much time talking about Twitter. Twitter tends to scale a lot more male than female, very popular in that 18 to 29 range. If you think you can make some inroads in Twitter, it's worth checking out, although Ryan and I find that there's a lot of noise up there, and as a brand or a business, it can be hard to cut through some of that. Snapchat's another one. Snapchat tends to skew much younger, largely in the 13 to 17 range. I find Snapchat very useful if you're hosting events. Some of the geo filters can be very cool for brand awareness. But there would there is a social network that I feel we would be remiss if we didn't talk about, and that's TikTok. Ryan, it seems that TikTok has taken the world by storm. I think everybody's seen the skateboarding ocean spray TikTok video at this point. Yeah, the Ocean Spray TikTok video clearly has gone viral. It's well north of 50 million views on TikTok. A couple things in there. It was organic. Ocean Spray, cranberry juice, on a guy's on a skateboard, and then we have Fleetwood Mac playing. I mean, it's fantastic. What ended up happening from that is, again, you had north of 50 million people view it. All of a sudden now, it becomes a TikTok ad, and in the TikTok ad, you have Mick Fleetwood in it, the, the drummer of Fleetwood Mac, and of course, Stevie Nicks lacing up her roller skates in that ad. So it just went beyond what anybody would have imagined, and why? While that might be the exception to the rule in the sense of that global scale, TikTok has some serious, serious organic reach. And it's not just for people who are under 25. It's not just for people who want to lip sync or do a dance to music. Businesses, B2B, B2C can actually generate some serious engagement and build brand awareness from it. So jump on TikTok now. Don't delay. Get some videos. And the video could be you can be talking for 30 seconds about a hot topic in your industry. If you're trying to build yourself as a brand, do the same exact thing. Get in front of your camera. Start talking about things. Tips and tricks and education add value. Work in every single social media platform that there ever has been. And that will always be the formula as social media evolves and moves forward. And in a year from now, when we hear about the new social media platform, that still will be the case. So those are definitely the takeaways, Chris, from this is to use these platforms, make them social, add value, engage with your audience, and don't just be so selfish that you don't engage with other people. Like go to other sites, other usernames, I should say, and engage with them, like them, share them, comment on them, because that is what makes social media so great. 
Yeah, that's a great point, Ryan. There are other social networks out there. You can take the time to go look them up and look up some of the demographic information. But as we talked about, you know, sharing your content on social is important, but establishing relationships and finding other people that appreciate your brand, you know, Neil Schaefer spent a lot of time talking about nano-influencers. You don't need to go out there and hire the Kim Kardashians of the world that have millions of followers. As we've talked about consistently, the riches are in the niches. Find the small pockets, right? The, the small audiences that really, really care what you have to offer and talk to those individuals. If you can find somebody that has some influence in that space and they're an advocate for your brand, that is a great way to leverage influencer marketing on social networks that they're already on. So Chris, if there was one takeaway, kind of gave a little bit from mine, what would that be for you? So I think my takeaway would be where we started the podcast, which is know your audience, know which networks they're on, and engage with them on those networks. And as much as it's important to share content on those networks and to establish relationships, remember that it's not an own space. So at the end of the day, you want to keep a lot of your content on your own platforms, your own website, your own digital platforms, and you know, hopefully through your influence on these social networks, start bringing in leads and uh, customers and advocates of your brand to your own networks. Because at the end of the day, these social networks change over time. TikTok is all the rage today, but you know they're being acquired right now. That could change in the future. Instagram and LinkedIn used to have much wider reach than they do. You have no control over that. So it's still important to exist and, and play in the social space. But remember, you, you don't own it and it can always change on you. No, I think that's great, Chris. I think it's important as is social media continues to evolve and new platforms seem to always pop up. You know, sometimes it feels like it's overnight. Understand your audience and add value. Don't be salesy. If you're talking about the funnel, think of social media as the top of the funnel. Don't sell there hard anyway. Get people to know who you are and solve their problems. I think that's the biggest thing for businesses to do on social media. Well, Chris, it's not all shop that we like to talk about here. We do have our Keep It Light segment. So what are you binge watching or listening to right now? You know, I just wrapped up a few good shows, but I started, I actually took your advice and I started watching the second season of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Always been a bit of a Star Wars fan, so uh, enjoyed the first season of it and figured, all right, if they're going to start releasing the next episodes, I'll check it out. And so far, I'm enjoying it. What about you, Ryan? Chris, The Mandalorian, I think, has always been uh, fantastic. And I actually took up your suggestion on The Queen's Gambit. And I watched that. It was seven episodes, an hour each episode. I got through it in three days. And that is one of the best shows I've seen in a while. The acting I thought was very good. The story was so original. It was about chess, but it's really not about chess. Like you don't have to know chess at all. And you still were captivated by the storyline. And there were some surprises in there. So I went ahead and watched it. And I can't remember if you recommended it last week or the week before, but I just did it this past week. So The Queen's Gambit, if you have not seen it yet on social media, you got to check it out. It's definitely a good one. The ending of that was very satisfying, wasn't it? The whole thing was, you know, everything about it. And I think I read somewhere like 
that's it. They're not going to do a sequel. This was a limited series run. This is seven episodes, and which in a way I, I like because sometimes when they do a sophomore series, it's always, you know, disappointing, it seems like, because the expectations just are so high. So, no, very good. And, uh, you know, I took you up on your recommendation. So thank you, Chris, on that. So we would like to hear from you. If you heard something about social media today that you loved or you disagreed with something we said, reach out to us. Let us know because your feedback, as you can tell, has really helped shape the whole podcast and we want to keep it coming. So send us an email at podcast at araxum.com. That's podcast emails at podcast at araxum, A-R-A-X-A-M.com. And of course, find us on social media, on LinkedIn, hit me up. The easiest way to find a Ryan Smith on social media, do Ryan Smith marketing. You should find me right there. You could also search Araxam, A-R-A-X-A-M on LinkedIn. You'll find Chris and I there as well. Or Twitter, Instagram, hit us up. My handle is Ryan Smith F-L-A. And I'm on Twitter as well at Real Chris Caselli. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And my preference, of course, is LinkedIn, where you can find me under Chris Casale, but you can also find me under Araxum or Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We sincerely hope it will enlighten your day. After all, it is our mom's favorite podcast. And on that note, Chris, thanks everybody for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Be kind to each other. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album, Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening.